0: Welcome to the STR Data Lab.
1: Well, hello, Jamie Lane, VP of Research at ARDNA. I, I don't know if you knew this, but we're in the STR Data Lab. Did you know that? We're back. We're back. We're here. We're in the lab. We're cooking up some hot stats. We're mixing together different metrics. I'm stopping. This is not gonna, these are analogies that aren't gonna work out for us. But I, I'm i excited to talk to you today about a report we just released. We did mix up some metrics and put them together and come up with some insights. But I think you're just being cheeky with us, Jamie Lane, at this point. Because we just, we recently released our best places to invest report. Now you're coming in with the hotness this is the hottest markets for the U.S. in short-term rentals report. What gives, man? What's the difference between best and hottest? What's happening?
0: First off, hi, Mariah.
1: Oh, hi. Hello, (laughs) I'm Mariah.
0: (laughs) VP of Marketing at AirDNA. Thanks for having (laughs) me here today in the STR Data Lab. I am certainly happy to be joining you here on this wonderful Monday.
1: I am always happy to be joining you in the SDR Data Lab or wherever we are together.
0: So if you remember back to when we recorded our podcast, I don't remember which one it was, but maybe we can uh, drop that into the show notes.
1: Yeah, editor, Uh note to editor.
0: I really disliked the best places to invest list. And it wasn't necessarily that I did not think that they weren't great markets to invest in. They just didn't reflect where people were actually investing today.
1: Ooh, it, it was yes. a
0: good mix of like small towns. Like it was broadly areas where home values weren't really increasing. Revenues had been staying roughly the same. And, and in terms of the math of investability, it like Was calling out like, hey, you should be investing in these markets, but there's only so many people that can invest in Ellsworth, Maine or Fairbanks, Alaska. (laughs) So,
1: yes, that is true. Okay, this is great. I love this. So, okay, so best places to invest. This was where potentially you should be investing based on what's realistic. Right. Okay.
0: Now, hottest markets to invest is where people are actually investing.
1: Uh huh. So this is where the people are investing, okay. So um, I feel like there's a loaded part of this, which is like, but where should you invest? We're gonna get into it, we're gonna get into it.
0: And and I'll caveat that it's where they are investing or maybe investing in the future. Ooh,
1: I love this. You're building the intrigue, you're building (laughs) the intrigue. Okay, so you talked about the methodology for best places to invest. Which was a lot more about, you know, outside factors like housing prices and travel demand that sort of was slow and steady, where listings were um, supply wasn't, you know, cuckoo bananas. It's a technical term that my four-year-old has come up with. Cuckoo bananas. Talk to me about what what was the methodology? How did you sort of develop this list, this hottest markets for investment or where people are investing?
0: Yeah. So for this analysis, we looked at three different metrics. We started with supply growth. Uh, So how many short-term rentals were actually being added net new into this market as a percent change from the prior year? So where's the fastest growth happening today in terms of listing additions? Second, and I think this is maybe one of the more interesting metrics and unique ones out there that really only we have is search interest. Mm, So we've got a tool which I know you all know about, but I'll explain for our, our listeners. Yes, uh, yes, called Rentalizer, where you can put in any address in the world, and it will tell you what that home could earn as a short-term rental. It'll show you the revenue potential of that property. It'll show you how that revenue potential has changed over time. So over the past two years, how is that revenue potential? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? And then what is the variability of that revenue over throughout the year? So you can get a sense of, I mean, is it highly seasonal? Is it pretty consistent? What would be the revenue you'd be earning each month? So what we did was we took all those searches to give us a indicator of investor interest in that market. So that's our indicator of future investment in short term rentals in each of these markets.
1: This is pretty dang smart using our own data. Yes, I love this. Okay. Well,
0: Mariah, it's all our data.
1: <laughs> a fair point. Fair point. Our first party, gen- like we generate. First party generated data. Yeah. Where I don't know if the audience really wants to learn about first party versus second party versus third party data. <laughs> But hey, we could put it in the show notes, editor. We'll put it in the show notes for anyone who is curious.
0: (laughs) And then finally, pricing growth. So this was a factor that we thought to put in, given with all the supply growth that's been coming in. And a lot of that, if it's not being readily absorbed, it can sort of show up in sort of weaker pricing power and specifically ADRs going down. So we just wanted to give a sense of which areas we're still get, seeing ADR growth, all the while seeing relatively strong hotness on the supply side.
1: Oh my goodness, all right, I love this. So, so very different methodology. I like the idea of sort of like shifting from profitability to popularity. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the popularity in those sort of like three different metrics. Okay. All right. Well, I, you know, Jamie, I think there's something that I've been hearing lately, and I think we should address it. I think we should address it live in the air. What do, I mean, we're bold, we're brave, we're authentic, right? So, one of the things I've been hearing is that Rentalizer people question and wonder how the heck can we feel so confident about that profitability score? What would you answer to somebody who might be a little bit skeptical? Let's call it the skeptics in the audience.
0: Yeah. One is I would never trust a data point without understanding what goes behind it.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that.
0: And it's good to know the detail behind Rentalizer. And that's where, yes, people can use Rentalizer as a free tool and not have to subscribe to it. And we give people a number And this may change in the future, but right now, if you want to see the detail of what properties go into that score, you have to be a paid subscriber to Rentalizer. And when you sort of unlock that additional detail, you're then gonna need, you're gonna be able to see every property that goes into that figure, that uh, revenue potential figure. And when you see that detail, And let's say it gives you anywhere between six and 12 properties that are being used to average together to get that rentalizer estimate. First thing I do is look at the relative variability among those properties. If I see 12 different properties and they're all roughly $60,000, I'd be like, yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I feel great about that 60,000 number. Like every single property is roughly the same. Like, great. Right. Other times I click on rentalizer. And I get the list of property, and there's some at 20,000, some at 60,000, some yeah. at 120,000, one at 300,000. I'm like, oh goodness. Like,
1: here, <laughs> yeah. oh that's the very, what, what is that called in data analytics? I don't know. That's just, that's yeah, not cool. I, I,
0: <laughs> high uh, covariance. So, oh, thank uh, you.
1: I knew there was a definition. Now I got to put that in the show notes too. Geez. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: So there I'm gonna to want to dig in a bit deeper and I'm gonna to wanna to see, I mean, it could be the sense or an example where the property I put in is not on the coast. And let's say a lot of the properties that it pulled back were actually directly on the coast and those were the ones earning 120, $300,000, yeah, okay. like some of the higher ones. So I might wanna go in and throw those out and say, you know what, those aren't comparable to my listing. Then I go back in and I'm like, oh, well, once I get rid of those, I see a much tighter circle around my property in terms of relevance. Uh, yes. They they look have relatively the same amenities and the same benefits that would be impacting ADRs. So then I'd want to re-average just those together. And that's going to make me feel much more confident in the figure that's going into it. So it's really getting comfortable with the comps. Are we pulling back good comps? Are we not? Essentially, all Rentalizer is, is a comp finder. And it's going out and finding what we think are the relevant comps. There's some limitations to what we can know about the properties. We don't always know whether it's beachfront or not. We don't know whether it's has the exact same amenities or not. So really smart to go in and, and look at each of those properties that we're pulling back. And if there's ones that don't align, I would exclude those and then re-average and use that in your analysis as opposed to just the the pure data point that we give.
1: I love this. Okay, you are coming in hot with some good, I think, secret pro tips to using a tool like Rentalizer, right? And I think there's always that there's always that little nuance, right? A tool's only as good <laughs> as the person using it. No, um, well, a little bit. So I think I love this because and I think just for folks who may not be at quite as familiar, right, like, but generally, like in real estate, right, it's the same with a house appraisal. Super fun around tax season. I just got my latest, you know, update on what my house is worth. Um, and always you want you want that one to be lower. <laughs> but if you're selling, you want to anyway. But it's just, you know, you're pulling together comparable properties and understanding um, how they're performing as short-term rentals, and that's giving you a nice aggregate perspective. With our freemium tool, which we know the people love, and I think my favorite thing about that tool, just to nerd out for a second, um, apart from the fact that I think everyone in this business has probably used it, is that folks are always like, oh my gosh, I I maxed out on the free number of queries, and I'm like, that's 100. You have to search for 100 properties before you max out. So, I love the people are leveraging this tool. But yes, it's, you know, again, there's the ability to customize that comp set so that you can feel a little bit more confident in the number. And I also love the transparency behind it, right? So, we're not hiding anything. People can go in, they can figure out what makes sense and what's most relevant to them. And more importantly, I just love your nugget around, you know, don't trust any data point if you don't understand where it came from, how it was sourced, um, the methodology behind it. Preach Jamie Lane. Preach. Preach. All right, sir. Okay, so let's go back to hotness. Let's go back to the hot test. Hotness it's summertime. Who's on this list then? Because I'm I'm now imagining this list is probably a little different from best places to invest. We might be, we might find some surprises there. People might be like, wait a minute, where is Fairbanks Alaska?
0: Yeah, there is no overlap on the list. There's the first thing that stood out to me was and just the different types of markets. And in discussing with the research team as we're we're looking through the list and wanting to give a sense of, one, it's not that we're saying these are bad places to invest. There's a lot of smart people investing in these areas. And we wanted to give our readers and give um, the audience a sense of why are people investing in these markets, given that they are yeah. so hot today. And there's two types of Investment theses, I think a lot of people go in is one, I just want to follow the crowd. If right. everyone's doing it, like it can't be that bad of an idea, right?
1: <laughs> uh, That's how I'm wearing wide leg jeans again, by the way. Like <laughs> I was like, I guess this is what we're doing now. We're wearing wide leg jeans. Okay. Yeah. It's what everyone's doing. Anyway, carry yeah. on.
0: <laughs> following the trend.
1: I'm following the trend.
0: Yeah. And then there's the other one of bucking the trend of, I'm going to do my own analysis. I'm going to trust in maybe my unique view. And that's maybe what you get a bit deeper into with our best places to invest, what you can get a bit deeper into with our, our PPD dashboard, where you can like hone in on different variables that you think are most important and compare those across different markets and sort of come up with your own investment theses and try to find like your own sort of investment plan. And broadly, I think you can get Average returns following the trend, and you can get outsized returns, maybe making your own theory. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, you have a high chance that maybe your thesis or the way you're bucking the trend doesn't also work out well. So there's maybe a, a bit more risk in in that as well.
1: This is like wearing my cat eye glasses. You know, I'm bucking the trend, and like everyone's wearing the glass anyway. I'm just going to keep bringing it back to the fashion. I wanted right. to be able to close that analogy for people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So maybe we can come up with what the fashion analogy is for each one of these markets as I call them out and you give me the equivalent of what is is the fashion trend of of that city.
1: I love this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, let's go through a few of these because you're right. These are some highly trendy places for sure.
0: So one I wanted to call out and it was uh, one of the hottest on all the metrics we were looking at was the Phoenix Scottsdale area. So this was one of the markets we saw by far the most number of rentalizer searches. So in Q1, we had 1.8 million searches using our rentalizer tool. That alone just blows my mind. That I know, that's crazy. million.
1: I'm happened. just gonna raise that up, 2 million.
0: Almost, all right,
1: two <laughs> nearly 2 million
0: nearly 2 million uh, in the US. And note that Rentalizer does work anywhere in the world. So this data is uh, just looking at the US. And then what was also important when coming up with this metric for hottest markets, this is something we can use anywhere else in the world too. So it's not reliant on any outside data points. So talking about using our own data. So we will have a hottest markets in Europe or hottest markets in Southeast Asia. We can We can come up with some some other versions, this one too. But there were 93,000 searches in the first quarter uh, just for Phoenix. Uh, So really strong market that over doubled the number from a year prior. So strong indication that there's even more future interest of growth in Phoenix. And that to say that Phoenix was one of our fastest growing markets in Q1. So uh, supply growth uh, just over 60% really popular market for adding listings over the past year and uh, searching for going forward.
1: Well, I think I'm going to call this one the crop top trend. I think this is, I feel like that's appropriate for a desert location and for bachelorette parties, which I think is what's mostly happening over there. Okay, guys, I apologize in advance to Scottsdale and Phoenix. I know you've got a lot more to offer than just bachelor and bachelorette parties.
0: They also had the Super Bowl in Q1, uh, which was a big trend for adding new supply. People adding supply sort of led to the Super Bowl bust that we we talked about, which was so much supply added in the lead up to the Super Bowl. So definitely could have been a a factor there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I was going to bring it up. So yeah, I would say, I mean, like for me, who's bucking the trend again, and I'm not wearing craft tops. I don't know if I would invest in, in in that particular part of Arizona. I would maybe invest in other parts of Arizona, but carry on. That's just my perspective on it.
0: Yeah, so 3 out of the 5 markets and the 2 out of the top 3 were in Texas. And Texas Ooh. has been a really hot state for new investment in short-term rentals. And a couple things happening there, and one is just the amount of immigration So rising popularity of just living in Texas, of visiting Texas, of job creation happening, a still relatively affordable housing stock, generating a a decent yield and high occupancy. Like the demand that's coming in, like is readily being absorbed. Like it's one of my sort of favorite states for investment. I've talked with some investors that they're like, they weren't in Texas. They went, bought their first property in Texas. And they're like, you know what? I'm hanging out in Texas and adding more listings. So very popular. So number two was Dallas. Dallas was both big for existing investment and rentalized searches. Houston, number three. And then San Antonio, number five. And San Antonio, I had done my first trip to San Antonio for Burma, what was that? Two years ago?
1: Yes. Yes. That was our first VERMA together.
0: That was our first VERMA, the Vacation Rental Management Association Conference. We're hanging out downtown, but actually in um, San Antonio, some of the fastest growth is happening in the suburbs of San Antonio. So outside of that downtown core, like um, along the Riverlock, but 43% growth year over year in the suburbs there. So really strong, strong growth. I hear some people talking about it as the new Austin or even new Nashville, that San Antonio could be one of those top growth markets for years to come.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely something to that sort of like, yes, I was going to say the same thing. It feels very Austin adjacent, right? Or potentially Nashville adjacent. So like Yeah. Like finding those little markets where there is like, it's going to be the next big thing I think is always so fascinating and fun to nerd out on because it is like, what was that sort of Petri dish that made Austin so appealing to folks that now um, is repeatable and scalable somewhere else?
0: One one of the other smaller markets sort of picking up on that trend was uh, Columbus, Ohio, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes. But there's been and a lot Buckeyes. of <laughs> shout out to the Buckeyes. <laughs> a lot of immigration in, in there, strong university presence, a lot yep. of new tech job growth happening in that market. Even I mean, with all the tech companies, are a lot of them sort of pulling back on hiring. We see a lot of companies sort of investing in Columbus, and Columbus was one of the highest searched markets. So I think there's a lot of interest going forward in, in Columbus. So. If you're not not in now, you, you might want to get in quick if if you're going to get in that market.
1: I like it. I like it. I know this. Like, you know, you forget about this middle area in America, but there's a lot going on over there. There's a lot a lot of fun stuff happening with Ohio. Yeah, I was going to well, I was going to ask you, is there anything um, having to do with like regulation there that might make it more appealing or? And uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot about that. You don't know. We can, we'll just cut this out. No, I'm kidding. We'll just, we'll just, we'll put it in the show notes, guys, what's happening in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking of markets with relatively laxer regulation, is we had two markets show up in, in North Carolina the Charlotte market and the Raleigh Durham area. So, again, areas both, you see this in the South in general, a lot of people moving in, a lot of jobs being created still relatively low home prices. Raleigh-Durham was actually an area where supply growth was greatest downtown. Uh, so people going into the score, but and primarily in Raleigh. Durham also with the Duke there, um, University of North Carolina uh, also there. So great university presence. And then Charlotte too, mostly growth in the downtown area. Great, vibrant, sort of growing, walkable downtown. Really attractive for young people moving to, and uh, we're seeing a lot of short-term rental demand uh, in that area.
1: I love this. Well, and I'm also, I'm I'm looking at the home values, and so the average home value, like that 350 price marker, I'm just like, wow, like being in Denver, I'm like, I would kill for a $350 price. Yeah, so still very affordable as well in terms of an investment strategy, which might, of course, lead to the reason that people are searching it.
0: yeah. And one, I think still a lot of people might be asking, like, Jamie, like, there's still no, <laughs> I'm talking in this voice because it's, I'm, how, how I imagine these tweets that I get of people tweet, tweeting to me. Jamie, I, I still, <laughs> still don't see any coastal markets. I don't, still don't see any mountain markets. And one, we do have one beach market. I uh, was going to call
1: Yes. Yeah, St. Yeah.
0: Petersburg. We've got Florida
1: there uh, still. Florida's still on the list.
0: Yeah, we have one Florida market. Oh, actually, two. Uh, sorry, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, uh Tampa, St. Petersburg, more urban, at uh, least really suburban than pure coastal beach market. Uh, though, do have the beach nearby, so a good combination of of both business people moving to it as well as sort of pure leisure and wanting to stay for to go to the beach. Much shorter length of stays, though. Uh, than mm-hmm. a traditional beach market. So Tampa St. Pete's going to see more of the three to four day stays as opposed to like the the seven plus stays at, at the beach or like a, a Destin or Santa Rosa Beach, uh, areas like that. And then the Florida markets too uh, have been seeing quite a bit of historical supply growth in terms of being on the list, not necessarily as much sort of new rentalizer searches. Uh, oh. so. They may be on the back end of their growth, and where we're seeing some upcoming growth in some of the other areas. So that's something we look at very closely in terms of year-over-year growth and supply, and how that's trending over time. As we're seeing the growth rates slow pretty substantially in the the beach, coastal, and mountain markets, and that's a lot of the reason why they're not showing up on this list. Is most of their growth was happening in 2021 and 2022. And where now we've shifted and where the large cities or larger cities, larger metros in the U.S. are seeing an acceleration in their growth rates um, and are now growing almost double the growth rates of the coastal mountain markets. So when we look at and having Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, St. Louis, San Antonio, Charlotte, like these are larger metro areas, what that means, though, is now we're seeing some pretty substantial occupancy declines in some of these larger metro areas uh-huh. than we're that we're seeing maybe at this time last year in some of the coastal and mar- mountain um, markets. Uh, so have to be really careful when you think about following the trend
1: oh. of
0: like oh like Charlotte seems great like home of NASCAR like they've got all these great races at Charlotte Motor Speedway, right. uh, new parks, like I'm going to invest in Charlotte, but you have to get a sense of like, okay, what are the, what's actually going to be happening going forward with Charlotte? Like, are they going to be able to maintain these occupancy levels? And we're already seeing pretty significant year over year declines. Like it's going to take right. maybe a year or two for all this new supply to be absorbed. Like just because it's hot now doesn't mean it's going to be hot in the future. And so, Uh, really important to sort of dive into the underlying performance metrics in each of these markets before making an investment.
1: I think we have a tool for that. And I think we might be able to help out with that sort of the deeper analysis, starting to filter into different property types, being able to really understand how um, occupancy is turning up or down, lead times, as you mentioned, length of stays, really kind of understanding if this Is a viable market for you i think that's such a good call out (laughs) it's it is so individual what i always am so struck by is how individual the investment strategy is right i mean obviously we're here to give people um some good data points hopefully some guidance on how they can look um different markets and again this is sort of a, a opposite thesis of the initial thesis that we created with best places to invest which was all about you know profitability this is like, maybe, you, maybe part of your thesis is to go somewhere where there's popularity, right? And there's something there, there when a whole bunch of other people are looking into a market. But yeah, I mean, that urban recovery, we really have been, I mean, we've been talking a lot about it on the macro level, sort of like, you know, zooming out a lot and showing that sort of urban, suburban is coming back on the map. And then if it does follow a similar trend, right? Like, you know, growth might be steep for a while, but then it's slow and steady, right? Like it starts to normalize. And what I love about what's really hitting me on all of these, this top 10 list that you've created is that these are all markets with relatively, I'd say like sustainable travel demand, right? Like it's not hinging all on being like a seasonal sort of destination, right? It's, there's more to it there. There's potentially some leisure travel, there's business travel, there's leisure travel. Leisure is just business and leisure together. It's like, you know, business up top, party down below. I, I don't know what trend that is for which market, but I'm sure it is one one of them.
0: That, so, that was that was mullet travel, Mariah.
1: Yeah, M- mullet travel. Let's call it mullet travel. Let's rebrand it. I'm just trying to figure out is it Florida that has the mullet trend? I don't know. Anyways. No, okay.
0: no comment. Um, yeah.
1: Shout out to shout out to Florida. We love Florida. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I think that there is definitely something to this sort of like, where is travel a little bit more sustainable? Unless, again, you don't want, you know, your occupancy to be sort of slow and steady, and you really only want to have like one hot season, and then you're happy to kind of shutter up your place and and ride out a winter or something.
0: Yeah, and I would just note, absent another global pandemic, I think you're absolutely right.
1: Well, I mean... I think if we could go another hundred years, I think we generally we've done one of these every hundred years. So if we could go another hundred years without one, I'd be happy. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I love this hot take on what's hot in the market today. I'm excited for folks to dig into the report. I'm also excited for people to tell us what they thought of the report.
0: Yeah. And maybe give you a chance to uh, shout out your marketing team. Uh, this is part of our our new series of Airbnb ranked. Can you yeah. give everyone a sense of on what we're going to be doing and with this series?
1: Yes. Well, we're we're taking a look at what is hot and what is not across multiple facets and levels. So yes, it is part of our ranked series. We're helping people understand again, sort of what's on the top ten, top twenty-five for all sorts of different things. Property managers, we'll be releasing that one soon, I think all of it is getting covered. So yeah, shout out to my team. Way to go guys. Great idea. I hope they listen. Well, if they didn't, they're going to miss their shout out.
0: <laughs> and if you have any of their ideas on things that you'd like to see ranked, like our first one came out with like the top grossing markets for for cabins and uh, different types of different uh, property types. So this one dives into obviously the hottest markets. And then we've got quite a few others in, uh, teed up. But if they're something you'd like us to rank for you in our series, uh, let us know. You can either shout out to us on the socials, me and Mariah are on Twitter,
1: yeah. uh, AirDNA <laughs> on
0: Twitter, or hello at co. And I'm sure that email will eventually get to us.
1: Oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, I think what Jamie's saying here, folks, is that he would like you to tweet him more often. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, we we are the market the entire marketing team is on Twitter too. So we can also respond. We're we're here to help. And is yeah, just the air DNA <laughs> All right, Jamie. You heard it here first, guys. Um thanks so much for taking a listen and we'll be back with the next hottest, notest, whatever we can come up with in the near future.
0: Okay. Thanks everyone.